Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, get a special guest to choose their favourite things about a story, and I have to then guess what those favourite things are. Hi there, my name is Pip Maidley, and I suppose I'm best known for being a Doctor Who nerd on Twitter, so if you're a fellow Doctor Who nerd on Twitter, then perhaps you might have heard of me. I'm taking time out today from babysitting Mavellans to watch one of my personal favourites. It's the classic 1966 William Hartnell story, The War Machines. Well, welcome everybody. Doctor Who is required. So I've got some for you. Episode 2 of The War Mash Eens. Uh, and I'd like you to press play. In three, two, one, now. Oh, hang on. <laughs> three, two, one, now. And I'd like you to press play in three, two, one, now. Um, okie dokie, everybody. Um, sorry, the sound took a while to kick in then. Um, so, when I was a wee lad, it's hard to think of this now, episode two of The War Machines was the only episode of The War Machines that existed. Now, I've got to listen out for Votan's laugh. Quiet. Bring him here. Oh, I don't know. Um, maybe it's just at the end of episode one because I know that they, they obviously they re, they redo them. These are these have been redone these titles, haven't they? But I like the fact that everyone's slightly different. Uh, big episode two there, um, and and this is the start of the three men standing and yelling at each other uh, in a series of interesting ways, which is what director Michael Ferguson does to uh, try to make. The huge amounts of exposition they yell at each other. Uh, interesting. Uh, and I rather like it. Um, and, and yeah, and I love I love John Cater. Um, so, yeah, so this, this was the only episode that existed. And episode two of The Time Meddler also only existed from that. And then they both came back. But then uh, it got quite... Uh, and, and, and then I... But, I mean, episode two only existing was not a problem for me in the sense that the idea that you'd ever get to see any of these episodes uh, the idea that they'd be out on video or repeated was uh, uh you know it was a pipe dream um but then obviously i was able to start collecting uh but by the time i started collecting the the, the return of the war machines was a thing uh and the time meddler too but i didn't know at that time that there were bits missing. So then when it was released on video, uh, they added the missing bits and you can sort of spot them or you could on the on the video, certainly because there was a slight change in quality. Doctor Who, yeah, see, it's not just to say Doctor Who once. Do All right, Professor Brett, we get the message. He's called Doctor Who. Doctor Who! Uh, 
and and I think then at some point in this episode, somebody rings up and goes, "He's he, stop saying that. He's not called Doctor." William Hartnell's, like, "I'm not called Doctor Who, you know." Um, doesn't he look magnificent in that astrakhan hat? Uh, that I think he what has he not worn that since Unearthly Child? I don't think he has. He looks terrific. And Ben and Polly look great as well. Um, so modern, and you know to have to have this as the first story, uh, you know in in the modern age, and he re and he recruits a couple of companions from it. I think I think is a is a great move for identification uh, for for the young audience. And here she is, oh dear Jackie Lane, in her final episode. Uh, I yeah I. I do think she's treated pretty shoddily. Um, oh. And I've been taken over by Votan, the evil war machine computer thing. Uh, Polly's costume, I remember, looks great in those publicity photographs of her. Um, I, I should think Ben and Polly might, uh, might end up being one of my favourite things, but I wonder what uh, Pip made Lord choose. That's, that's great uh, exterior set. Um, Raymond London's the designer, isn't he? Uh, coming, coming from you know, cutting, cutting from the in interior, it, it makes it feel uh, all part of one whole. Uh, uh, oh, y yes, I'm lurking here with some chloroform. I like that. <laughs> that's that's a bit sort of it's a bit X Filesy, isn't he? I understand it's a sixties version of the Exiles with. Uh, that's Desmond Cullum Jones, isn't it? Who is one of the, uh, b uh, one of the Dad's Army sort of uncredited extra platoon members. Uh, now I thought I had an inkling that this was Michael Rathbone's own taxi, but uh, I had a little snoop, and I just now, and I couldn't, I couldn't confirm that. Um, Roy Godfrey, who, as the tramp, I think is truly terrible in this, uh, is, uh, uh, was, uh, he doesn't do much telly beyond this, I think, beyond 1968, uh, but, uh, he was, uh, uh, he, I, he did musical theatre, I think, was he a noted Fagin? Uh, he... Yeah, I'm going to commit to Fagin, even though just because in this he looks a bit like Fagin with his silly beard and stuff. But uh, there's something, yeah. There's, so he had, yeah, he had a good career in musical theatre, which uh, 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 perhaps explains why his performance, I don't think, quite fits on television. So he's off, take it easy, boss. Um, uh, but what's even better is when he's murdered his spotlight picture. It's not his spotlight picture, but uh, a wonderful portrait of him appears in the paper, as almost as if he's been going around specially posing uh, uh, for the moment of his death. You can see him playing Fagin, can't you? Yeah, he's give, he's giving stage tramp, isn't he? He's yeah, he's, yeah, uh, yeah. You can see why I didn't do an awful lot to tell you. Yeah, but yeah. Desmond Cullum Jones, uh, which is nice for him uh, to get a credit in this. Desmond Cullum Jones, who would do sort of yeah, uncredited Dad's Army stuff, because uh, he was originally cast uh, in the Web of Fear uh, in the opening scene, which then got changed, uh, and so his his services were no longer required. Um, but he was one of those honourable, um, stalwart sort of walk-on type actors uh, on British telly for many many years. Um, and here we are on film. 
and you f- I think you one forgets because I as I say I always think of the three men in the room there's actually quite a lot of uh, uh, film here and I'm a big lover of when Doctor Who you know decides which bits to do on film just to make them look that bit better uh, and obviously the whole construction of the machine thing is uh, is a very important part of it's a very it's a story full of boxes I always think that about poor old Raymond London, the designer, because he designs this, which is basically a story with a warehouse full of boxes in which machines, machines emerge. There they are, the, the Wotan boxes. I wonder whose job it was to stencil the Wotan sign on. There's Pat Gorman, the mighty Pat Gorman, uh, one of the, uh, or the great uh, extra of Doctor Who, uh, who, who pops up uh, in more episodes than practically anybody else. Um, certainly nobody who's a regular um, but I like the mixture between film and set uh, and the sets, the sets are great but yeah Raymond London then designs the crotons which is also have monsters that are shaped like boxes so I don't know if they thought we need a lot of right angles get Raymond uh, or whether because this story is set in London well no, because unless his middle name was Gond um, some nice uh, high angles there a nice high angle there from Michael Ferguson I've got to I've got to have an eye on what Pip will choose, which I think will be something quite frivolous. <laughs> uh, but you must uh, you must uh, see his videos; they're a lot of fun on Twitter. Um, so uh, yes, it, it it does, doesn't it? It it feels fresh. I, the, uh, and 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 uh, the the shooting of all of this stuff. Is, is giving a real sense of sort of industry and construction or they you know that they, they are doing their best Fra- frankly all that's happened so far oh no that the baddies have tried to kidnap dr Wu dr who um that's a brilliant piece of bad science fiction acting from uh, John Harvey there why on earth raise your voice slightly and he must be destroyed um it reminds me of a bit of, in, in Blackadder's Christmas Carol when Blackadder is uh, in the future and uh, Stephen Fryer, some alien thing, has the line, send him to the sprouting chamber! Um, it looks great on film though, doesn't it? And 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 uh, I, I like his, his hair and beard and stuff, but he's... Um, Perhaps I was a bit mean. No, I don't think... Look, he's running. He's doing tramp running, which isn't very good at all. I won't say nothing, boss. Oh. Oh, dear. And now he's... He's he's spotted the thing that he's promised to not say anything about, which has effectively sealed his fate. But... uh, And that's... That's pretty grim isn't it uh you know the suggestion is he's just been sort of beaten to death or something oh and that's the first reveal of the war machine uh yeah there's 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 the tramps photograph uh dead man found in garden but it's it's this guy we've got portraits of all the tramps um oh hartnell in his glasses uh i like it when the doctor wears glasses um something that's come back into fashion i've just been talking about frontios for another podcast and uh davison in his glasses is always rather fun i d- i think i lost my train of thought with million william mervyn who here is the main guest star as sir charles summer giving his usual line in stuffy gentleman but um 
his son Michael Pickwode, because William Mervyn was William Mervyn Pickwode, um, was production designer of designer of Doctor Who during the Moffat era, much of the Moffat era, um, and his daughter uh, did some art direction type work on it, or, or some some contribution as well uh, in the art department. So that's three generations of Pickwodes uh, who have been who have been credited on Doctor Who. So good for them. I really like Michael Pickwode. He was a real gentleman. He looked, he looked a bit like Doctor Who. Uh, and I was quite surprised by his sudden death. I'd seen him at a few con- conventions. And I thought he'd be around forever. Um, uh, uh, Polly's been sent over by mistake. And Polly's looking brilliant in a, in a hat that's made of pure 1960s. Ah, uh, she's gorgeous, isn't she? And, 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 and and I love the the sheer sixtiesness of her. Um, it helps to make Doctor Who feel, you know, cool and modern and funky, which it not not always does. And I like Doctor Who, and it's alien and strange as well. Oh yeah, Dodo. Yeah, you're being bad. Um. Um. What I, what was I going to say about this show? Yes, of course, because Doctor Who has been totally welcomed by. Uh, the, p- the people in the post office tower and now Sir Charles are they've got that have psychic paper no hypnotism no pretending to be some no just say hello I'm Doctor Who uh, and, oh alright Doctor Who you can come and help us oh yeah so we're nearing I mean she doesn't even get to the end of this episode bless her uh, and Hartnell I mean he's only what three stories well, he's only got two more stories after this, and I think he's—he's. He's, I mean, he's slightly shaky on his lines occasionally, but he—he he always covers that pretty nicely. But he looks magnificent, and he's still on—he's still on pretty good form. Yes, uh, it's the Doctor. Yes, not Doctor Who. <laughs> um. Oh, John Cater is so good, isn't he? Um, yeah, and this piece because of, of course that's what Pip alluded to. Of course, this has no uh, original incidental music. Um, he really goes for it. The old oh, and Dodo makes such a hash of this. She goes, "I will assume that the takeover has been successful, so I will now give myself away." Oh uh, yes, yes. But the do- No, she's not Dodo. Oh, you're giving yourself away. You're s- sealing your own fate. It's 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 like the the bit in Keys of Marinus, isn't it? When when Aidan says, "And how did you know?" I mean, no. Uh, but but. I mean, I can I can, yeah, I can see why Dodo might guess that he'd been taken over but she really does impress the point home until she gets discovered um but but hartnell's coping very well with with this this oh well good 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 lot of energy from somebody we sort of think of as being a bit a bit doddery at uh, at, at this stage in his uh tenure and doesn't he look magnificent standing in this i like this set as well oh you, you, you 
Oh dear. It's not Dodo, Doctor. Oh, Polly's taking her hat off. Yeah, so Ben and Polly, I think, are probably going to be one of my choices. Um, is Doctor Who going to stop that Dodo? Oh dear. What? And it's quite a it's quite a grim way to get rid of a companion, really, to sort of have her taken over and then not fully recover from from the alien intervention. Uh, but and Inna Sloyd did write her a nice letter, but as I say, uh, and there was a story that she, he, he later approached her for voiceover work, and she said, "Ah, oh, you sacked me years ago, so no, you can't." But it seems a bit odd that it's a nice story, but it seems a bit odd that Inna Sloyd, who was producing for Alan Bennett uh, right up until his death, uh, would go, "Shall I do voiceovers on the side?" I mean, as a as a as somebody who does quite a lot of voiceovers, I, I know everybody in the world thinks that they can do them. Well, Tommy, you do voiceovers, don't you? I quite fancy a go at that, do you? Good luck. Um, uh, but it's. I wonder if instead he'd phoned her wanting one of her clients at a at a decent rate or something, and she went, "I'm not doing you any favours." That that uh, that that seems more likely to me than a BBC producer would just go, "I I fancy moonlighting as a voiceover artist on the side," but. Anyway, she seems to have had some sort of revenge down the line. And I'm not normally, because I always think, well, what does revenge achieve for you apart from a sort of visceral kick? You know, don't, don't, I don't wish ill on anybody that's done me ill in the past because actually what would something bad happening to, to them now, how would that help me? It wouldn't, um, apart from getting joy in their downfall. And I don't think that's a, a, a feeling one should encourage in oneself. Um but I, I will make an exception on this circumstance because uh, it's it's a pretty poor exit halfway through episode two of her final story, um, having been got rid of fairly quickly. Um, and she's and she's not the she's not the greatest actress in the world. I don't think. Uh, Jackie Lane, but I think she's sometimes not served by some of the lines that she's given and the fact that she starts off as uh, Mancunian. Yeah, the Doctor Who lore is filled with sort of... And she's doing BBC Cockney. She's doing Mancunian at the end of the massacre because she was employed because... Uh, and she'd worked at the Manchester Library Theatre. She's got lots of history in Manchester. She's clearly doing a Mancunian accent at the end of the massacre. So I don't know what people are seeing when they go. And, and and then she's and then people go and then she's trying to do Manchester in the Ark, having done Cockney in uh, the massacre. No, she's doing RP in the Ark, except for when she goes. When they go down that path there. And you go. Why have you said path when everything else is is quite quite tortuous RP? Um, so she yeah she obviously came on intending to be Mancunian, and they went, uh, no, you've got to be RP instead. So she did that. Uh, so she had quite a... a, a, a she struggled a bit with the, the genesis of Dodo. Uh, she doesn't get an awful lot that's good to do in the Celestial Toymaker. But she's she's lovely in the Gunfighters, I think. Um, and she gets some nice moments in the arc. And... Uh, yeah, I feel a bit for her. I feel a bit for her, and I can sort of understand why she might have not not fancied joining in, uh, you know, with with Doctor Who stuff all that much. Although, as I say, she was very lovely and forthcoming on the train, so I think it was more to do with, and my my understanding from other people who knew her, 
um, is more that she was just a bit shy and a little bit deaf as well, um, which could make people, you know, which 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 made her uncertain of, you know, d you know, engaging and stuff like that with big events. Um, now, Al Alan knew how to use a microphone because he was an MC as well. Oh, this is pretty grim as well. They they kill this guy. Is that? I think that's Desmond Cullum Jones again. Um, yeah, get, kill the actor, not 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 some extra. Uh, but but it's it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty mean thing to do. Yeah, sorry. Oh, it's pretty cold, isn't it? And that's a great shot. Uh, I mean, it's a great shot from the camera. It's not a great shot from the war machine. It sort of misses, but it's a. It, uh, that's I like the way that. Uh, you know, Major Curtis, who'd been such an affable sort of chap, is very, is very cold uh, because they've had their humanity. Oh, did she? You just say, "Where is Doctor Who?" Oh, um, and I like it—the fact that it's the person known as Dodo, but not the person known as Doctor Who, because then you could sort of get away with it, because we, we know him as Doctor Who. Yeah, so you have to really concentrate. Quiet. Yeah, you have to really concentrate to understand what Wotan, what Wotan is saying. Um, yes, standing in an interesting place, please, Professor Quipton. Um, uh, so yes, Alan Curtis, who was Major Green, I was talking about, was. Uh, oh, I, I think. Yeah, that was that. Was, yeah, that was a good audition piece for Polly there. Um, uh, Alan Curtis. I'll talk about Alan Curtis later. Well, no, he was uh, he was uh, he was an MC. He was a pantomime actor, but he was also uh, 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 did the, uh, the the announcements at Lord's Cricket Ground. So, uh, and he uh, he and there's a good trivia question. Major Green, Murray from Delta and the Bannermen, and everybody played by Milton Jones have all done uh, the sort of announcements at uh, at Test cricket. Uh, for England cricket matches, so that's nice, isn't it? Uh, and Alan did it loads and loads and loads, and was uh, did it for years. Um, and then Johnny took over. Johnny Dennis, who played Murray in Delta from the Bannermen, took over when Alan had his stroke. Um, I really like Michael Craze. I, I like I like both. I, uh, and, and they both make an immediate impact because um, I like Stephen, and I think. Um, uh, Peter Purvis is excellent and underrated um, and a very, very good actor. This looks so modern, doesn't it? It looks like it looks like sort of newsreel of London life. And, and of course, a lot of this is real and you don't get that often with, with Doctor Who either. It's just sort of real life, as it were. And I think that makes it a wonderful backdrop. Just, just those brief shots of Ben. Great. But um, he's... Because Stephen had been quite grumpy and quite severe, Ben is really likable. He shoots little smiles at the Doctor, and he's and he's obviously quite brave. And uh, uh, doesn't he have a line later? That bird saved my life. I I, I just think he's um, and he's a very handsome fella. And uh, oh, is the war machine going to break a table? I love this. Yes, this is these are the things we can do. We can we can shoot men. And they die even when we miss them, and we can break tables. Uh, but they're giant things, aren't they? Tanks. And this this episode has essentially been lots of built 
basically building a machine and, and testing a machine. Um, you know, I'm not sure you could do a story these days where a whole episode is taken up from testing to see if the bad thing you've made actually works. But um, I think it's all been fine now. Ah, now that was a slight change in quality there. So I think... Um, yeah, I, th I, th I think this occasionally happens where um, you can sort of spot when it gets extra grainy is because uh, because it's come from different sources and, uh, and, 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 and the bits where we've got extra material aren't quite as good prints as, as, as some of the others. So kudos to uh, the restoration team and uh, all who sail in her for... Uh, that's a lot of... Whoever... whoever there's a... If you if you're a fan of boxes, this is a this is a tricky story to watch because because the war machines don't have if 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 the earth was uh, populated just by boxes, the war machines would definitely win. Jackie Lane, last credit, bless her, uh, and Ben, the new companion, gets the cliffhanger. Uh, so um, and Wotan. <laughs> So yeah, so Ben straight in, and, and the fact that their war machine has a light on the front means that uh, there's a light uh, on Ben, which just makes it a little bit scarier than just a normal point of view shot. I think the light, yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, nice, zippy, uh, interesting. Uh, we'll press pause before the next episode. Um, okay, so what is my favorite thing about this uh, well and because pip is slightly reverent um i just think it's got to be the fact that they keep calling him doctor who i don't think the character is called doctor who um in one part of my brain in the other part of my brain i go but it's called doctor on the credits up until the end of uh the end of logopolis um and I still think that it should be credited as Doctor He or she should be credited as Doctor Who um, because I like that mystery. You go, is he called Doctor Who? No, he's not called Doctor Who. Then why do we call him Doctor Who? Oh, I want to call him Doctor Who even though he's not called Doctor Who because he was always called Doctor Who on the credits. Um, and, I, and, and, and I just like the fact that this one episode where he's called Doctor Who loads... <laughs> means that we have to have a conversation about whether he's called Doctor Who or not. And we have to um, invent our own reasons as to why not. And also, it gives us a little clue that behind the scenes there are people and they have opinions and sometimes their opinions are wrong. <laughs> Even, you know, three years into the show, nobody had said to them, you don't call him Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> so I just, I love that little anomaly and, and all the little ripples that it causes. Uh so yeah, uh, uh, my my favourite thing about episode two of the War Machines, and isn't that good that if they hadn't actually found the other episodes, we'd still have the episode where he's called Doctor Who all the time. That was clearly why it was preserved in the archives. So, uh, what is Pip's favourite thing about episode two of the War Machines gonna be? Thing number two. <laughs> I love the fact he's done that. Now, I nearly went for the shot of the guy in the shadows outside the nightclub. He's dressed like a caretaker and he sort of casually gestures to Dodo with a bit, a bit of rag and a bottle of chloroform. <laughs> it's just really 
obvious. It's a good thing that, you know, the Doctor's obviously got sight problems. He's got this monocle all the time and he's got his glasses because the guy stood about <laughs> 10 feet away and he's got a bottle of chloroform going, are you ready? Anyway, it's not that. My uh, my second choice, it's another Wotan in-joke, I'm afraid. It's the boxes. It's the, <laughs> the Wotan-branded boxes. I just love the fact that a supercomputer that's intent on enslaving humanity and it's already got an eye on brand management (laughs) that's just amazing i love it when the van turns up and they're unloading all these boxes with w on i've actually got a t-shirt with on thanks to clayton hickman i just love it stupid but brilliant yeah i forget uh pip is not (laughs) pip is going to be celebratory in a more irreverent way i too have a t-shirt well actually it's a vest it's a sort of gym vest with the, with the W on as well. So perhaps uh, I'm secretly working for uh, the evil supercomputer Votan. Um, okay, I'm probably not going to get any of the things <laughs> uh, Pip chooses, but that's okay because I'm having fun on the way. I hope you're having fun with the War Machines, everybody. It's, it's interesting. It's not a story I thought would be a sort of jolly commentary because it's not a jolly story in particular it's it's modern and, and thrusting and gripping and conspiracy and you know hypnotism and oh, uh, the bad guys are among us and you know computer futuristic events the internet uh, and we're just being a bit silly but that's okay uh, well um uh i hope uh, you enjoyed episode two of the war machines um and will join me for the next episode My name is Toby Who, or is it? And I will speak to you next time. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Happy Times and Places, which was presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest was Pip Maidley, who can be found on Twitter at Pip Maidley, dispensing all sorts of joyful silliness make sure you give him a follow. I'd like to thank the patrons who make these podcasts possible, who include Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Mark Aldridge, Kit Allen, Sebastian April, Tilt Oriza, Simon Ash, Richard Alt, Martin Bellum, James Blackett, Robin Bland, Kyle Bores, David Brody, Nigel Bromley, Hugh Buchtman, Anthony Carroll, Anthony Carroll, Phil Chapman, Susan Christian, Steve Churchill, Paul Colnaghi, Paul Cornell, Peter Crocker, Dave Curran, Paul Philip Dahlgren, Matt Dale, and Votan. The music is by Dave Gates. If you would like to join those people and Votan and be a patron of these podcasts, you can get early releases. Oh, gosh, there's so many stories ahead of you. And exclusive material as well, all from the lowest tier, which is £3 per month. And you actually get 10% off that if you join for a whole year in one go. There are higher tiers, but it's relatively egalitarian, if you can be such a thing. And pretty much all of the stuff is available to everyone. It's a pay what you can or what you fancy. I know times are tough uh, and a monthly commitment may not be your bag, in which case... How about a Kofi donation? Kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. But do you know what? Just listening to these and maybe even spreading the word about how much you enjoy them is, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by the amount of uh, attention and positive feedback I get. And I'm very grateful. 
But you know what you could do? You could go to Apple slash iTunes, uh, particularly those ones, actually, uh, and give this a five star rating and perhaps a couple of lines of positive review, because that really just helps me look good to passing trade. Who may be tempted, but not necessarily sure they want to commit to pressing that download button. And I need them to press my buttons. Otherwise, I'm sitting in this cupboard for nothing. In fact, by this point in the uh, in the episode, now 32 minutes, 25 seconds in. I think you've probably all stopped listening, haven't you? Because the music's gone. Uh, if you're a patron, you've probably you've heard your name or you've heard your name's not on this episode. Uh, so you, you listen to that. So, I mean, a lot of people would have, you know, zoned out before that. But, yeah, the patrons might have hung on to hear their name. This bit, if you're a patron, you know about the patron, so you don't need tempting. If you're not a patron, you're probably not that interested. So this is literally me now broadcasting to nobody yeah my, my ship has hit the iceberg and i'm calling out into the night but nobody's coming but uh do you know what uh, uh i'm sitting here in the dark chuntering away could be worse oh my computer's just beat then shall i edit that out what's the point nobody's listening i mean if if i broadcast this and nobody listens does this mean it it actually happened or could this go down as a figment of my imagination. I don't know if I have an imagination. Shall I stop talking now? Yeah. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter. Because it's another way that I can yell into the night. Yeah. It's all about just getting attention, really, isn't it? It's quite sad. <laughs>